I'm going to ask you as they're headed downstairs to turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And as you turn there, let me just kind of give you some, uh, some information. Uh, we would, as you saw all these kids up here, isn't that amazing? I mean, look how few of us are left, right? All those kids are headed downstairs, and it's awesome because, like I said in the prayer, Jesus is the one that said, let the little children come unto me. And so we want to be a church family that builds great families, and so this is part of that vision. But I would ask you in terms of that, as we mention the vision, I would ask that you would be in prayer for the leadership of Cornerstone as we are seriously, intentionally going through that vision and asking the Lord, what are the goals and and what are the things that we need to do and to put into place in order for us to be a church family building great families? So we would ask for your prayers. And uh, as that comes around and as we progress in that, we want to share that with our church family. Uh, but right now, I just ask for your prayers. Also, some of you remember yesterday, or last week, not yesterday, yesterweek, last Sunday, I zipped out of here real quick to go over to our, our brothers and sisters over across the way and sit in on their service. And I came into that place, and first they gave me this little ear thing, which was really good because it was all in Spanish, and I don't speak a lick of Spanish. And so they had this interpreter going on in the back, and so occasionally I'd get the interpretation. Sometimes something was said, and, and I didn't get an interpretation. I thought for sure they were talking about me. So anyway, I don't know if that was the case. But it was a wonderful time. Pastor McGill Castillo is the new pastor over there, and I went over there to, uh, in this welcome service for him, and CB Northwest was there. They had... Uh, uh, some of you know Sergio Aguirre. He was there as, as, uh, as, as part of that. So anyway, it was a great time, and I ask you to pray for Pastor Miguel Castillo over there as he now enters into this, uh, this time of ministry, and, and uh, we are just excited about what God's doing there. I'm also excited about what God wants to do in our hearts this morning as we open up the Word of God together. And so uh, I just want to start off by reminding you of one of Aesop's fables, maybe. There it is. The tortoise and the hare. There are many different versions, but one version goes like this. There once was a speedy hare who bragged about how fast he could run. Tired of hearing him boast, Slow and steady, the tortoise challenged him to a race. All the animals in the forest gathered to watch. Hare ran down the road for a while and then and paused to rest. He looked back at slow and steady and cried out, How do you expect to win this race when you're walking along at your slow, slow pace? Hare stretched himself out alongside the road and fell asleep, thinking, There's plenty of time to relax. Slow and steady, walked and walked. He never, ever stopped until he came to the finish line. The animals who were watching cheered so loudly for tortoise, they woke up Hare. Hare stretched and yawned and began to run again, but it was too late. Tortoise was over the line. After that, Hare always reminded himself, don't brag about your lightning speed for slow and steady has won the race. 
I bring that up to us. Some of you think we should have had the children up here because now your intelligence is insulted. But I bring that up because of this truth. I think it points out the fact that what many people say is starting off is important, but even more important is how you finish. Even more important than starting is how you finish. Certainly you want to start. Certainly you want to keep going. But what really matters is how you finish. And today, as we kind of finish up this whole sermon series on Journey On, I want to talk about a strong finish. When I was in high school, my freshman year was the first year that the high school that I attended opened up. And so there was really no sports program in play, and I played football. And so there was no sports program in football until that moment. So it was being made up. As a result, we stunk. We lost every game my freshman year, and it was horrible. But you know what I remember about my freshman year? The coach said, listen, you guys, we're probably not going to win every game. But he, he told us, listen, it doesn't matter as long as you finish strong. Don't give up no matter how far behind you are. Don't give up no matter how discouraged you are. You finish strong. You keep going. And those words have stuck in my brain ever since. And, and I can tell you, by my senior year, we won a few more games than we did my freshman year. We start, still weren't a championship team, but we, we, we grew. And, and those words of finishing strong came back to me. And this morning, I want to look at the Apostle Paul's, maybe perhaps one of his final statements before he dies. Out of 2 Timothy chapter 4, would you follow along as I read just, just verses 6 through 8? 1 Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy rather, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul says this, For I... I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This morning, I just want us to think about three words as we consider the concept of finishing strong, this journey of faith that we have talked about being on. Three words. They are attitude, fortitude, and magnitude. Would you pray with me? Father, we recognize this morning, and maybe some of us don't, so give us a recognition of the fact that we need you today. Lord, the things that we're going to look at in your word right now are things that are incredibly important for those of us who are, who are wanting to journey on in faith. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to understand, help us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit's leading as he takes your word and applies it to our hearts. Father, we are in desperate need of you in this moment. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul writes this from the mer, uh, mem, mem, I gotta get this right. Mamertime. I want to say maritime, and it's not maritime. Mamertime prison in Rome. 
Now, lest you think of visions of our current jail system, our current prison systems, I want to read to you a description of what the Apostle Paul was experiencing there in Rome in this prison. He was in the Mamertine prison in Rome, and even the worst of our prisons today would be like the Hilton in comparison to the Mamertine. Paul's cell was a dark, damp dungeon reached only by a rope or ladder from a hole in the floor above. He had no windows, no lights, no toilet, no furniture, and no running water. As Paul sat on the hard floor in the cold darkness, enduring the stench of his own waste, the circumstances outside were not encouraging either. Many seemed to be turning away from the aged apostle and even from the faith following false teachers. Paul had labored for the past 30 years or more to preach the gospel around the Roman Empire, but at this point it was at best a tiny sect scattered here and there. Paul was not the world-famous apostle appearing on TV talk shows, autographing books with invitations pouring in front and from around the world around him to speak, and yet he was clearly at rest, wasn't he? Confident in the way he had spent his life and calmly assured as he faces death, as we know it, by decapitation. The Apostle Paul, in the midst of all that, could say, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And it's because of those three things. He had the right attitude. He certainly had fortitude in the right things. And he, know, he knew the magnitude of his reward. And those are the three things I want to talk about today. As we ask this question, if you and I want to finish strong in the faith, what does it take? The right attitude. Certainly it takes fortitude, but for the right thing. And it takes this understanding of the magnitude of the reward that awaits those who finish strong. And so let's start with attitude. Paul has, speaks here of an attitude. He starts off in verse 6 by saying, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Paul is saying, this, I, I know that this is the end. I, I know that I'm in process of dying here. And it's not just from the situation or the cell that I'm in. I know that my life is going to be given up. My departure has come. But notice what he says. He calls it departure. Here is the Apostle Paul who elsewhere to the Philippians said that to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. There's this, there's this departure from one thing into the next. He tells the Corinthians that I would much rather be away from the body because that means I'm, I'm with the Lord. He talks about this, this departure. So he gives this, this picture of, of somebody waiting at a port, ready to get on board this ship that will take them to a new and exotic place. And that's how he describes his, his death as a departure rather than a death. He knows that what he's about to experience is not the end. It's this departure. It's this trip from this life to a way, way better, better thing. And so he calls it a departure. But notice, notice the Apostle Paul's attitude. Here he says, I am already being poured out 
as a drink offering. Now, a drink offering was a sacrifice. It was part of the Old Testament sacrificial systems. It, it, it was, it was uh, just like any other sacrifice. It would be poured out to God on behalf of somebody else. So it was a, a substitutionary sacrifice. And, and here the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, my departure is about to come. And he likens it to being a sacrifice poured out to God on behalf of someone else. I am this sacrifice. You see, the Apostle Paul all along had this understanding of his right attitude, who he should view himself as. And I would give it to you this way. Those who want to finish strong, that is such a far distance. Those who finish strong have an attitude of servanthood, being poured out unto God on behalf of someone else. It is this idea of servanthood. If you look at several of the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote, he says, I am a servant of Christ, or I'm a servant of Jesus, or I'm a servant of God. He calls himself a servant. And then he tells the, the, the Philippians, or excuse me, he tells the Corinthians several different times, he says, what is then Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. And in 1 Corinthians 4.1, he says, this is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God, of Christ. Do you remember, do you remember when we started this whole series? We looked at Philippians chapter 3. You remember that, of course, right? I know, I barely remember it too. It's been a long time ago, at least three months ago. That's a long time, right? But anyway, we... We, we looked at Philippians 3 then, and we pointed out how the Apostle Paul says, here's my goal in life. I want to know him, right? Which means I, I want to not just understand him intellectually. I want to experience him. And he goes on further, and he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Ooh, yeah. And I want to share in the sufferings of his cross. I want, what? We're going, what? But the idea is, Paul is saying, listen, I want to experience the living Christ who is alive again. He died on the cross, but is alive again. I want to experience him in such a way that I experience the same power that raised him from the dead, which uh, in, in Romans, Paul tells us that's alive in those who put their faith in Christ. Amen. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in believers. Yeah? Okay. Are you here? Okay, good. I know there's a Vikings game on. I don't even see Dustin. He, oh, there he is. Okay. Okay, so, so you, may, you might be looking at your phone right now. But anyway, we, we want to experience that same power, but, but it's this idea of becoming like Christ. And if Jesus Christ said of himself, I have come not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many, John 10 45, then the same is true of his followers who are on this journey. We are to become like Christ. So our attitude needs to be an attitude of servanthood. And I can tell you this for, for sure. Those who are focused on self often don't finish strong. I'll give you an example. One that you can tell I know nothing about experientially. But let's say you want to run a marathon. Let's say you are working at, 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 at training for this marathon. You know what that means? A sore, sore body. And maybe at times you don't even feel good because you're, you're, you're going through the process. Now, if you're focused on self, 
you're going to quit, right? This hurts too much. This is too much for me to do. I quit. I'm going to give up. But those who finish strong are able to look over that and look toward the goal, look toward that which they are called to do, and they're able to go through all kinds of hardship. Paul had this servanthood attitude that caused him to finish strong. And when you and I take our eyes off of ourselves in the area of faith and we look at others and we consider ourselves servants, first of all, of the Lord and then servants of other people, then we too can finish strong. It begins with attitude, doesn't it? I I believe wholeheartedly it begins with attitude. Um, I have somewhere here in my notes uh, several quotes. John C. Maxwell says this, People may hear your words, but they feel your attitude. It's true, isn't it? Winston Churchill said, Attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. Charles Swindoll says, we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. And I I appreciate this one. For success, attitude is equally important as ability. I would tell you that an attitude of servanthood is what we must have if we are going to finish strong. The Apostle Paul says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. I'm being poured out unto God on behalf of other people. I'm a servant. I've always been a servant. And even in my death now, I consider myself a sacrificial servant. I'm sacrificing myself unto God on behalf of other people. You want to finish strong? Develop that attitude. Recognize that Jesus was a servant, that Paul exemplified that servanthood in the life of a follower of Jesus, and become that in your attitude. It's not about you. It's not about me. Have I lost you? It's about Jesus and what we can do as his servant. And and so so I would say to you that if you and I want to finish strong, and I pray we do, we first of all need to develop an attitude of servanthood. But secondly, I would tell you this from the very next verses, that if we want to finish strong, we have to have a fortitude for the glory of God. Because notice verse 7. The Apostle Paul says this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. He is not bragging, brothers and sisters. He's just simply saying, by the grace of God, I fulfilled what God has called me to do. I fought the good fight. I went through hardship. I went through struggles. In fact, do you remember what, how Paul describes his struggles? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, let me read to you the fight that he went through. He says, I had greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. (sighs) And you think you have it rough. But he goes on. 
And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to fall and I'm not indignant? He goes on, Paul went through very difficult situations. Situations that, as we go back to our first statement, if his attitude was not one of servanthood, he would have given up a long time ago. But now he goes through all these struggles. He has such fortitude, we would say. He's, he's, he's able to endure incredible hardships. He's, he's going through these things so that when he gets to the end of his life, he is able to say, by the grace of God, I've fought the good fight. I've run the, the race, the course that the Lord has set out for me. I've, I've kept the faith. Paul is talking about his fortitude, but I want to remind you what his fortitude was all about. He wasn't doing it for this, his own sake. He wasn't, he wasn't mustering up his strength and getting through all these struggles, all these hardships, because it was going to make a name for himself. That was the, the lowest thing on his mind. He didn't care about a name for himself. What was he doing? He wanted to make a name for Jesus Christ. He tells the Corinthians, listen, I was with you over three years, and I only came to proclaim Christ and Him crucified. See, his fortitude was nothing short of a desire that Christ be exalted. Brothers and sisters, that's what our culture needs. They need to see Jesus. If you and I are willing to go through all sorts of struggles because we think it's going to make a name for ourselves, we're not finishing strong. But if we go through all sorts of struggles, even in our culture today, because we want to lift high the name of Jesus, that's where the right fortitude is. That's where we can say, I've endured like the Apostle Paul. I've gone through fight. I've gone through a race. And I come out keeping the faith. I'm faithful in the task that God has given me. See, see we need to recognize that our fortitude must be in a goal, in a, in a purpose. And what does Paul tell us in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31? Let everything you do in word and deed be done for the glory of God. Last week, we saw in Colossians chapter 3, we looked there and we recognized that at the end of that statement in in, in Colossians, let me get there. I thought I had marked it. Maybe I didn't. Anyway, Colossians chapter 3, he says, In everything you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so let me just put it to you this way, if I could. Yes, we can have fortitude. Yes, yes, we can endure in the midst of hardships. But the Apostle Paul did so, again, to exalt Jesus Christ. And if you and I are going to finish strong, our fortitude must be in bringing God glory. And if I could define that for you, I'd put it to you this way. Some of you heard this. But to bring God glory, to glorify God, is to enhance his reputation. If I can enhance his reputation in front of some other people, even if it means I'm going to be ridiculed, even if it means I'm going to be shunned, I can have fortitude in that because I know it's the right thing to do. I know it's what I must do. If I take the word of God to somebody and it falls on deaf ears and they, they want to persecute me for it, praise God. Praise God. I can go through that with fortitude because I'm focused on the right thing. My, my desire was not to beat him over the head with the Bible. My desire was to tell him about Jesus, to show him God. Right? And so our fortitude needs to be for God's glory, not for ours. 
That too will help us finish strong. And then finally, as we get to verse 8 of of, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul gives these final words. And it's, it's this hope, it's this assurance that he has, it's this amazing thing. He says, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge himself, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who have loved his appearing. This is where we get the word magnitude. Because if we're going to finish strong, let us focus on the magnitude of that reward. Paul says, there's this, there's this thing that's laid up for me. By the, word, by the way, the words laid up means it's protected. It's safe. It's a done deal. It's a certain thing. As Paul approaches the end of his life, he knows for sure there awaits for him this incredible reward, this valuable crown of righteousness. This, this wonderful thing, crown, it's the same word that was used of those who were in a running race in Rome and they would get that wreath that would go around their head. It was a victor's crown. And, and Paul is talking about victory. I have, I have fought the fight. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. And now guess what? The reward is in, out of this world. I've finished strong. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm focused on the magnitude of the reward that awaits me. Notice it's a crown of righteousness. Two different options are given for what this meaning is. It, 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 it could be that, that it is a crown for those who are righteous. Okay, Recognizing that we're only righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. Or it could mean that it is a crown in which the wearer experiences ultimate righteousness. Ultimate removal of sin from their life. I tend to believe, based on the rest of the context here, that it's the latter. That he's talking about this reward of standing absolutely, totally, without any sin, perfect before a holy God. And I don't know about you, but that thrills me. I am sick and tired of fighting sin. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Just when I think I got it conquered, it creeps up all over again in my life. How about you? And I can't wait for that day when I stand before my Lord and my Maker. And not only am I righteous because of the blood of Christ, but I'm righteous in practice as well. I wrestle no more with sin. And that's what the Apostle Paul is looking toward. The magnitude of this reward is incredible. Why wouldn't I want to finish strong for that? Because he says it's not only promised to me, but it's promised to those who look forward to his coming to the Lord's appearing. that He's talking about the, the rapture, the resurrection, the Lord's coming, His return, when we stand before Him and we experience ultimate righteousness. It's a motivation. I've, I've given it to you this way in initials. L-W-E-I-M. L-W-E-I-M, which is live with eternity in mind. We get so focused on the here and now. We get so focused on the things that we want to accomplish or we want to attain or, or, or what we think should happen here on earth. And, and we think that this is the end. It's not. We need to live with eternity in mind. We need to recognize we have a whole eternity, eternity ahead of us. This is a mere little Flip on the, on the eternity timeline. It's, it's nothing compared to eternity. 
And when you and I get that right in our brain and we start recognizing the magnitude of the reward that awaits those who finish strong, it motivates us. It motivates us to keep going, does it not? And live life with eternity in mind. I want to encourage you today because I know, I know there are some people, and I, I just tell you this because of what I've experienced in the church. I know there, I, I have watched over the years, and probably you have too, and I've seen, I've seen people who have, who have been growing in their faith, and they've been serving the Lord, and then all of a sudden they get to this point where somehow they think they've arrived, and that they no longer need to grow, and even they no longer need to serve. And they may even say things like, I've done my time. I, I need to move. I, I, don't, I don't need to do that anymore. And, and I want to go, show me. Show me in the Bible where God says, okay, you work up until this time, and then from here on out, you don't need to grow or serve me anymore. I don't see it, my brothers and sisters. I don't. And I'm trying to be as loving and kind as I possibly can in that. I just, I just know I've seen that. I've seen some people, they get in the midst of crisis situations and they find themselves, as we've called it, in angst. And as a result of that, they chuck it all. They say, forget about faith. Forget about serving the Lord. Forget about any of that. And sometimes they even quit meeting with other people who are on the faith journey. They're done. We don't want that to happen. Some people get to the point in life where they, where they hit, that, hit that angst and, and, and they just quit. And our whole point in Journey On is that we want to continue journeying. We want to continue to finish strong. We want to be like the tortoise, not the hare, right? We want to finish. We want to finish strong. And I know as you get older, I know the facility or faculties rather don't work all that well. I'm starting to experience that when I can't remember names. I'm talking to people and, and I'm trying to call something something and I can't remember the, what it's called. And I, and I understand that. So maybe we slow down a little bit. But let's finish strong. Let's finish strong. Let's have this attitude that says, you know what? Even when I'm 65, I'm still a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and a servant of other people. Let's, let's have the fortitude that says, you know, I'm not doing this for my own glory. I'm doing this for the glory of God, to exalt Jesus Christ, to enhance His reputation. And that's what I do this for. And, and we need to have this recognition always. There's going to be a day that I stand before my Maker. And oh, the magnitude of the reward for those who finish strong. There's this story, and perhaps you've heard this, but John MacArthur tells of William Borden, a member of the Borden family who in 1904 finished high school in Chicago and was given a world cruise as a graduation, graduation present. And particularly while traveling through the Near East and the Far East, he became heavily burdened for the lost. So after returning home, he spent seven years at Princeton University, the first four in undergraduate work and the last three in seminary. While in school, he penned these words in the back of his Bible, no reserves, no reserves. 
Although his family pleaded with him to take control of the business which was foundering, he insisted that God's call to the mission field had priority. So after disposing of his wealth, he added, no retreat after those words, no reserves. On his way to China to witness to Muslims there, he contracted cerebral meningitis in Egypt and died within a month. After his death, someone looking through his Bible discovered these final words, no regrets. No regrets. He knew that the Lord does not require success, only faithfulness. So I would say to us this morning as we close out this series that we want to journey on and finish strong with no reserves. I feel like I'm shooting you, John. No reserves, no retreat, and no regrets. We need to finish strong with an attitude of servanthood. Finish strong with fortitude for the glory of God. Finish strong, always aware of the magnitude of our eternal reward in Christ Jesus. Some of you might be here today and you haven't started the journey of faith. Some of you might be here and you've never given yourself over to Jesus Christ. You've never come to a point where you have believed that Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sins because your sins demand death, eternal separation from a holy God. And you've never come to the point to realize or or believe that Jesus died there for you. But it didn't end. He, He rose again. The one who promised eternal life proved he's the giver of eternal life by raising again on the third day. And maybe you've never come to a point in your life when you have admitted your need. I am a sinner. I am separated from a holy God. And the only way to fill the gap between my sinful self and holy God is through Jesus Christ. Maybe today you would put your trust and faith in Jesus Believe who He is, what He's done for you, and and just invite Him to be your Savior. Maybe today that begins for you, this whole journey that we've been talking about. And you can do that right now. You don't need a priest. You don't need to do anything other than to talk to the Lord right now. Maybe you have been in this process, in this journey, and maybe you are in the midst of angst. Maybe you are going through a hard situation and you're about ready to chuck it all. Let me ask you to get your attitude right. You know what? It's not about me. I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. I'm a servant of other people. I do not like what is going on. I do not appreciate what's happening in my life. And that's okay. Let the Lord know. He already knows. But maybe if you shift your attitude a bit, And maybe if your fortitude is not just getting through this difficult situation, but while I'm getting through this situation, I'm glorifying God. I'm exalting Jesus somehow in the midst of this. And my fortitude says, I'm going to get through this with the help of the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and I am going to glorify God in the midst of it. And maybe as you're going through this season... You just need to hold on to the magnitude of the reward that awaits those who finish strong. Maybe you just need to keep that in your focus always. You just need to look toward that and and just believe it that, you know what? Right now, life stinks, but there's a reward. It's coming. I know it's coming. 
Because the word of God says it's coming. And I believe it. Let me pray with you. Father, we just come to you this morning thanking you for your word, thanking you for your promises, thanking you for the example that we have here of the Apostle Paul and, and, and Lord, his attitude of servanthood, his, his fortitude, which is all about exalting Christ in your glory. Thank you, Father, for the words that he, he says that is, is not only true of him, this reward that awaits, but for those who have loved Christ's appearing. And I pray, Father, today for encouragement here. Lord, I, I first want to lift up those who have maybe never trusted in Christ, never said, I, I, I need Jesus, never believed that he's died on the cross for their sins and, and rose again on the third day. I pray for them that, Father, right now, as you knock on the door of their heart, they'd open up. They'd open their heart to you, give themselves over to you. I pray for them. I pray for those that are in the midst of struggle seasons right now who, who, who just feel, uh, who don't know what's happening. I pray, Father God, that you would help them, that you would come alongside them, that you would break through in the midst of their turmoil, that you would encourage them, that you would provide for them a peace that can only come from you, that is beyond human understanding, a comfort that is, that is absolutely of you. But I pray, Father, that even in the midst of this time, they would grow, they would love you more, they would exalt Christ more, and certainly have a greater hope in eternity as they look toward the magnitude of the reward. We pray these things today in the mighty and precious name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.